What's going on, guys? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Hamilton Train Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Hamilton, and I appreciate you um, tuning in today. It means a lot. So today, I'm actually having a new guest on the podcast. So um, if you follow my accounts very closely, I was actually just on his podcast a few weeks ago. But what's funny is that's actually not why I'm having him on here. So um, Cody and I became friends, and this is Cody McBroom. I'm getting on the podcast. And Cody and I became friends after uh, I was on his podcast, and I just really like the way his brain works. I like the person he is and the way that he thinks about coaching more than anything and how he approaches things like personal development and life and things like that. And I think you're going to get a lot of value out of the episode. Because kind of, I think we mentioned it during uh, our talk, is that I don't I don't normally ever just like oh let's trade podcast stuff because like I don't want to ever just have someone on for because they had me on or the sake of sake of that because I only want to have people on that I actually resonate with and I really feel drawn to have them on whether I'm on their podcast or not. So that was Cody. I Cody interviewed me on his podcast and we got talking and I really really appreciated it and I love everything Cody says and just the very the the place he comes from when it comes to things like coaching, personal development, the mind and everything else. So I think you'll get a lot of value from this in that way. It's not like, even if we have the same values on stuff, he words things a little bit differently. He, he, his approach is still a little bit different, which is amazing. That way you guys can get a little bit of a different perspective. So, um, I'm not going to take all of your time and, uh, I'm going to get Cody on the line. So I know you're going to enjoy this. Take a, take, (laughs) take a seat, sit back, get some coffee or something. Um, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's going to be good. <clears throat> well, because that's the thing is, um, normally what's funny is um, I only do like, pod, like I'll only like have someone on my podcast if I like really resonate with the person or like what or their message or whatever. Like a lot of times, like this might sound like a douchebag thing, but like just because like someone has me on theirs, like I don't reciprocate that unless I actually feel resonated with them and their content and their message. Like I don't want to, ju- I've always hated just like, like, I, I don't know, it's a double-edged sword, like the tit for tat in social media where like, hey, I had you on mine. Why don't you know you, why don't you have me on yours? Where like, that's awesome if the message is there, but otherwise I think there's a level of authenticity when someone's like, oh, I feel like I have to now. Okay, come on and tell your speech. Like, I just don't, don't feel good about that. But like, as soon as like we got talking on yours, like I'm like, All right, I'm gonna get Cody on, <laughs> on mine. So I appreciate you doing this and stuff. So yeah, um, yeah I appreciate that. I think same thing with me. I think I've, besides this right here, I think I've actually this, that wouldn't even count, but I was gonna say, I think I've been on like one podcast where I was ever like, yo, like I would love for you to be on mine. Um, usually it's the opposite. Like I reach out to somebody, have them on, and then we built the relationship and they want me to have them on theirs. Uh, if the conversations go well and everything, but uh, on the same way, man, I think I learned this from, uh, I was talking to guys from mind pump. This is a couple of years ago. I was down there and they were talking about podcasters make a big mistake, uh, selfishly choosing guests and in, in to essentially one, because I want to have a conversation with them and which you can do, but two, like I want to build the connection, which I understand. And that's important for networking, but at the same time, like this is for your audience. So if you yeah. don't put your audience first, that's an issue. Your podcast isn't going to grow. It's not, yeah. it's not valuable. Well, and it's like the, the same double-edged sword with like, when it comes to like creating content, so many people and coaches talk about just what they want to talk about, but their audience doesn't give a shit about. And I get there's, get, there's a balance between that where like you still want to feel uh, emotionally driven by your content, but like there's a level of just, if someone's only selfish about their content, who they have on, what they say, what they talk about, then that can cause, it's no wonder issues come up. So 
Yeah. But yeah. I knew this was going to happen us like before, like even hitting record. So I like, as soon as we started, I hit record and I'll let, 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 uh, my, my dude, young David, take it over from there when he edits it. But, uh, but like, I knew we just get right into stuff. So, um, in case anybody isn't familiar with your stuff, give a little bit of a background on like, you know, who you are and what, what, what your story is. Yeah. Um, I'll see if I can make this uh, kind of like an elevator pitch, but <laughs> man, essentially I, I grew up, uh, I, I wouldn't even say like it was, it was, I was borderline overweight. I was always the chubbier guy in my group out of my friends. Um, it was the point where my mom will always say, you weren't, you were just husky. You know, it was never like you. My mom overweight. said the exact same thing. <laughs> okay, mom. But uh, so I was always the the overweight friend, and and I kind of went through fluctuations of weight where like I hit a growth spurt and started playing soccer, and then like and then I started partying and I gained weight back, and then I got back into soccer, and then I got injured and I gained it back, and it was just like this this flip flop. So I graduated high school right after my second knee injury. So I've had two knee surgeries and uh three tears two surgeries after the second tear bad (laughs) it was bad right so (laughs) the first two were in soccer the third one was just in 2019 rolling out of bed um to get my daughter that's when i realized i was getting old uh actually long story short it was torn for years and i just never fixed it but so this this last injury I, i graduated high school the injury just caused me to get lazy gain weight I'd never stepped foot in a gym in my life. Like at that point, like I played some sports, I skateboarded, snowboarded, never, never lifted the weight. Um, in fact, I skipped weights class the one semester I had it all the time. Like I just <laughs> never really gave a shit about lifting until I graduated and the weight kind of got worse and worse. Um, I had friends off playing ball in college, uh, small colleges and big colleges. And I had a few friends left at home. Some were in a jail, some were just getting into bad shit. And it was just kind of a point in my life where I was like, man, what am I doing? Right. So I'm going to community college. Dad is paying for me to go to business school because he said, you know, you're going to sell oil because I sell oil. Everybody needs oil always, which times now you're like, fuck, maybe that's not true. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, at the time, I couldn't argue because I had no ambition. So I was like, all right, well, I'll go, whatever you're paying for it. Let's do it. So I'm going and uh, I hate it. It's just not anything I'm excited about. But there was a point where I got into fitness along that college journey. I started training. I met the guy that ran the program. I ended up forging my dad's signature to change my degree in college because he said no. Nice. I wasn't in shape. I just started lifting. I was like, Dad, actually, I'm going to change my degree and become personal trainer. He's like, no shot. There's no way I'm paying for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, uh, so I did it anyway. Um, thank God. And I spent two years going to community college. It's one of the only colleges that does a personal trainer and health coach mm-hmm. two years in the country. And, uh, so it's a really good program. He introduced me to a ton of people. I mean, he ended up being friends with, I don't know if you're familiar with these guys, but, um, Gray cook, Michael Boyle, Charlie Weingroff, um, Martin Rooney, uh, Alan Cosgrove, some of the, like the original, like before social media strength coaches and successful fitness professionals. Oh geez. Yeah. So he was in, you know, I was going to places with Tim, perform better seminars and different workshops. He was introducing me to people. I interned at his gym, which was at a hospital, he introduced me to somebody who I got an internship with and then worked for. So like through college, I was just bouncing around interning, working for free, training people, writing blogs. Uh, Cause there was not really social media back then. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and then I get a, uh, an intern position at a strength facility called Vigor Ground with this guy named Luke Kosovar, who's a really well-known trainer out here in Seattle um, and online really. And uh, I told him in the interview, I was like, eventually I want my website to make money for me in the fitness space. And I was like, I want to be, like Jay Frugia and Nate Green, those are the two guys that I looked up to. So he was like, man, train people for five years straight every day. 
then I think you could like do something online. Cause that, back then online coach was like fairy tale, right? So I trained people for six and a half years, man, at that gym every single day. And I wrote blogs the entire way through. And eventually the blog took off when I found out I was having my daughter in 2017, my wife, uh, then fiance got pregnant. I was like, man, I'm done. I got to, I got to switch. So I actually gave up all my clients, left the gym wow. went all in on my online business, starting from scratch, bro. And, uh, and I love that. You know, when I think when you put your back against the wall like that, it just, yeah. you have one option, grow. And, and it just kind of catapulted, man. And now we have seven coaches beneath me, a full-time media guy, um, an operating officer, my admin assistant, and uh, we work with people around the world. So it's like- I love it's, that so much. Yeah. It's, it's been Dude, cool. It, it's been like that's the epitome of literally the American dream. Like if you, we, you're getting down to it, like- I, I love that. Like, I'm just, I'm so happy for you. I'm so like, to be honest, like I'm proud of you. Like, like that's so badass that, you know, doing that and, and taking something that like, I've, I've, that's one of the things that I've loved about entrepreneurship is you literally take something that didn't exist. And like, now it's this now over here, right? It's like, it, it's, it's amazing. So like, that's, that's, that's incredible. Um, it's, and what's funny is there's so many parallels to that and the fact that like you do like coaching around fitness and weight loss where like so many parallels to draw to that where it's like, well, what if I quit within two weeks or what if like I didn't feel like like clients don't feel like eating right. But then it's like, well, what if I didn't feel like training those people for six years? Like, like it's not going to take people that long to get in shape, but you're like, bro, I know what this is like, like a client saying, oh, I, I'm, I'm feeling impatient. I'm not motivated. And you're like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, and it's, it's, it's so true, dude. Like I, you know, when he said train people for five years, I just said yes. Cause I wanted an internship I, yeah. in my mind being as 18, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to make it happen before that dude, believe me. And uh, no, I didn't. I actually went longer because you realize how much there is to learn. Right. And how much you can grow. And I remember speaking of like the physical side of this lesson, I remember a point, I think I was like 21, 22 at this point, and I'm training my ass off, dude. And like, oh, yeah. my, my nutrition is dialed, right? And then I'm, I'm lifting with these guys. The youngest dude was 30. So everybody's between like 30 to 35. And they're monsters. I mean, a couple of them from Europe, like they're just savages, Yeah, <laughs> which was a great environment for me to be in, right? Because they were pushing me to grow. Yeah. And I remember like being more dialed in, being more focused, prioritizing sleep more, prioritizing my diet more than all of them. And there was one day where I was like, like kind of frustrated with my progress. I was like, why are you guys so jacked? And I'm not yet. And my boss looked at me and he goes, how long have you been training? I said, three years. And he goes, I've been in the gym since I was 13. I was like, okay. 27 so like 20 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh. And then he goes, Hugh, how long have you been in the gym? Nine. How about you, Akeem? Seven. Like it was just, I was just like, man, I got to shut the fuck up. And it was, yeah. It was the moment I was like, damn, this is a journey, you know, and relatively speaking, I looked better than the average person. I looked better than I ever did before. Like if I looked back a year, I was in great shape, but it's, you know, like it, it, and this has stuck with me ever since I talked to you the first time, that whole comparison thing, like it's relative to what, right. I'm comparing to these guys around me. Look at their background, right? Mm. Like they've been doing it for so long. No shit. They look like that. Um, but man, it's, it's, it's accepting the journey ahead of you that really is ultimately like it's the whole process first outcome thing, right? Yeah. Well, and staying on that, I think it makes a big difference too. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on this of not just the journey, but the state in which you're in during the journey, right? Like a comparison I always use, because I think your state in which you go through the journey dictates how happy you are with the outcome, 
right? An example that I give a lot is um, like, we've all like argued with our spouse on the way to a restaurant before, right? Like we've all like, all right, let's go get dinner. And then you just like argue and bitch the whole way about where you're going to get dinner. But you like argue the whole 30 minute ride there. And then you get to the restaurant and you don't snap out of it. It kind of like fucks up the whole evening because you did not enjoy the journey. Then the destination wasn't as enjoyable. I see the same thing happen with fitness and business and all the, anything that has to do with a journey if the journey sucks, the destination does not taste as good, in my opinion. But I'd be curious, especially what, what your thoughts are on that. A hundred percent. I think, I don't think there's a category in life that I can argue that with or like say otherwise. I think that, you know, even, even to this day now, I've been, I've been training every single week and I'm, I'm, I mean, like I'm really into weightlifting. Like I love it. Right. So a decade you know, a decade. And the only way that I'm able to do that, because people ask all the time, like as a natural lifter, like, like how much room do you really have to grow? I'm like, not much at all. And I'm not like a massive dude by any means, but you know, we have a genetic ceiling and I think it is the process of trying new things. It's the process of, of pushing my gym partner and seeing, you know, my brother-in-law trains with me and he's been training consistently for a year now. And that's exciting for me. Cause now oh, yeah. I'm pushing harder cause he's with me and he's a burly ass dude, but also I'm watching him transform. He's losing fat. He's building muscle. He's learning things. He's telling other people about what he's learning. So I think that for me, part of the process is actually teaching as well. And that mm-hmm. motivates me. And that, and that goes for business that goes for content creation. It goes for fatherhood. It goes for everything. Right. And I That's think it's a sign of a really good coach too, by the way. Yeah. You know. Just continually trying to almost mirrored on other people. Right. And I think that I've been asked yeah. a lot of times too, with business of like, why do I get so much advice or shit away for free? I'm like, man, like there's no competition. We're all trying to do the same thing. There's billions of people out there that need help. Like, why wouldn't I help? And if I teach you how to do something better in your business, guess what? I'm going to do it 10 times better in mine. Yeah. Because that act of teaching helps me do it better. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's the thing is the people who say that are operating out of such a scarcity lack place, which is dangerous, right? Like so many people who are in that spot of like, well, why do you give away so much for free? And it's like, you act like this is going to hurt me. Like it's like there's se- it's like there's seven clients on the planet and there's a thousand coaches. So like, why are you giving your advice? It's like the people who say and think that are operating completely on a black. Yeah, I would 100% agree. And I think that like you know, bringing it back to the physical, just so I can actually answer the question. I think I almost think people have to commit to a longer period of time and just accept that the outcome is further away. And like, because we get the question about this, right? Like well, how do I get into the process? If it's, if the key is enjoying the process and then I'll really enjoy the outcome or have a better outcome, how do I begin to enjoy the process? Well, it's, it's extending the process and just, just owning and accepting what is. I always talk about, you know, like anxiety is, is the future. Depression is the past, right? Like essentially Mm -hmm. presence, like being present, that's where you're going to be fulfilled. So if we don't think too hard about the outcome and we avoid comparing to the past, unless we're comparing to our past self, which we're better than, then that's of course right. it's okay. You'll be more fulfilled in that process. And like, I did a post about this a while back. I, I Googled, which who knows how this is, but I Googled uh, uh, what's 1% of the average human's life, right? And it's nine months. Um, so I told people like, okay, commit to training and nutrition for nine months, nine months to learn everything you need to know to transform your body. hundred percent capable of, of teaching yeah. you enough to sustain a healthy physique for a long time and achieve a lot. But if you, if you give yourself that period of time, you're going to see results within three to four months because you're in the process and now oh, yeah. you're loving the process. So when you hit nine months, you're just going to keep going it's because over. it's over. You know what I mean? The, the outcome is going to continually push forward because it grows and you're never disappointed. We talked about this last time. It's like the whole entrepreneur thing about 
you're, you're never really satisfied, which is yeah. kind of exciting because it pushes you, but it's kind of depressing at the same time because you never, <laughs> <laughs> you never reach the destination. But, but there's something about that, that the outcome kind of keeps moving forward like that dangling carrot, but you're not upset about it because you're enjoying the process and you keep growing with it. Well, and it's ironic that, that, that those numbers, it's like the 1% is nine months, which is <laughs> nine months to make a baby, right? But I also, I, I think that's ironic, but I, I also, a, com- a common saying that I use a lot when people are getting upset that they're not shredded in three weeks is like, is I always say fat loss is like pregnancy. Nothing cool happens till about nine months and you can't speed it up no matter how hard you try. Mm. Like that's like, a, that. like that one hits, I, I, that one hits people in the face a lot or like, they're like, Jared, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. It's like, I, I'm not, I can't lose weight fast enough or I'm not getting stronger fast enough or like this should happen faster. They're upset because they're, it's taking too long. And I ask, they're like, they're, I, maybe if I cut my calories extra low, it'll speed up. Or maybe if I do more cardio, maybe if I do this or whatever, um, I always say, what would you do if you were a doctor and a patient came into you and said, Hey, um, I'm supposed to, my, my baby, I just, you know, conceived and I'm supposed to have a baby in nine months, but I have to have it in like three. I'm like really in a hurry to get it done before vacation. So what would you say? And they're just like, no, like that's not even like physiologically possible. And even if it was, it would fuck the baby up. So it's like, we, we can't even try. So you just accept it and go, okay, I guess I'm going to be pregnant for nine months. But then when you throw fat loss on that label, it's like, no, there's gotta be a secret. And it's, it's, Yeah. Well, and it's like the the whole. Uh, I love that analogy, by the way. And 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 to throw the whole like that's a sign of a good coach. Uh, somebody who can draw parallels and create analogies to tell stories. Mm. Amazing skill inside of coaching because it it, it allows things to, like click with people yeah. so much better. So I applaud you for that because every time I talk I to you, it's, it's like story and analogy after analogy. You crush it with that. But um, <laughs> so I think that uh, you know the whole idea to me too is, is, and I try not to be harsh with this, but sometimes I want to say like, look, go do it the fast way. I'll talk to you in six months, you know, because this whole weight regain statistic of 95% of people gain weight after they lose it. Mm-hmm. We don't know. There's a lot of people that argue that actual statistic, but what I will tell you is it's definitely 100% over half. Like there's no sure. way it's not oh, yeah. half of the people that try to die. Right. And the reason is because everybody's trying to do it fast. So I tell people like, Hey, the reason I'm pushing for this one, I have integrity and I don't want you to do this the wrong way. I actually give a shit. Number two, if you go that route, you will regain the weight. And then we will have to start the slow process that I'm trying to talk about right now, which means guess what? That nine months becomes 16 months Yeah. because you're going to take a three month crash course or, you know, some people can lose a good amount. So let's say two month crash course, then you regain weight. And then you're like, fuck this for a while. And, and you just maintain and you don't, you know, get back on your horse. And then you're going to approach me in a year from now. And I don't want that. And that's the reality. It's true. It's a, it's Mm -hmm. a fact that people do this. So to me, it's always kind of, we talk about when we prescribe nutrition, show them the path instead of trying to like tell them to go down a dark hallway. Right. Like, I'm not going to say, Hey, here's your calories and macros. Go get it. Talk to you in a week or two. Right. And they're like, well, where am I going? I don't worry about it. I'll let you know when you're there. Well, how long is this path? Oh, don't worry about it. I'll tell you when you get close. It's like, they just go, and a lot of people just go, okay. And they just follow the diet and go. Whereas I'm like, let me light the whole path, show you like the pros, the cons, when we're going to pull back, when we're going to speed up, like what the process looks like. Um, And I mean, shit for people listening who aren't coaches and who are looking for a coach or have a coach that may have done this or not have done this. If you're trying to hire somebody to lose fat and they tell you, 
it's going to be a long journey. Like before you pay them, they're telling you this is going to be a really long time. It's going to be kind of slow. It's actually really simple. There's no crazy tricks. We're going to do like all the most boring, non-sexy things yeah. that you can think of. That's the sign of a good coach. It's, it's transparency. And it's, it's, it's the truth. You know, one of the things that when, when I have people, whether it's like in the DMS or, uh, my favorite is doing it on like a call with somebody. Um, or if, if someone's really struggling with the time side of it, they're just like, no, I've got to lose it faster. I feel like I should be losing it faster, but like that would never change. Like you could lose 30 pounds in 30 days, but feel like you should have lost 40. Like, uh, I always say, how many years have you been trying to lose weight fast? Mm, And I just wait. I just go, how many years have you been trying to lose weight fast? And they go, seven like, or like even even like the late i had i heard one the other day it was one of the shortest time spots because i the lady i was on the phone with somebody the other day applying for coaching and um because i still screen my calls and stuff like that or screen my clients uh to make sure we're a good fit and things like that well um we were she i could tell she was really leaning into like this uh, like trying to do it as fast as possible and um and i said let me ask you something because like when i like have these calls i don't have like a script or anything like that i just have a conversation and i asked her i said let me ask you something how 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 many how many years have you been struggling with this and she goes well ever since i had my daughter so like 3 and that was like the shortest one i've heard in a minute most are like since i was 15 most are like 10 15 years um And like, but imagine like this lady three years ago, like imagine if she would have taken nine months, like you just said to like, do this the right way. I always tell people, if you can just put your head down and do this for the next year with zero expectations and just say, I'm going to do this the right way. All your problems would go away. Every single one of them. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, and it's funny because I do, we do the same thing and I, and it's very casual, no script and everything too. Um, but, and this is, I mean, one of those business things that I'll, I'll share and people can steal. It's a, it's a great idea for marketing and for creating good content that actually clicks with people. But um, I went and surveyed, uh, it was like 100 people, I think it was. I think we sent out 100. We didn't quite get 100. But basically, I told each one of my coaches, and I did it with my list too, of like, give me the top 10 to 20 best clients ever. Um, that you currently have had in the past, whatever, like people that really clicked, people that got a lot out of the coaching, um, whether they were hesitant or not at first, like just, you know, if they got great results and they enjoyed the process, um, I'll later go interview people that didn't love the process. Cause I think that's valuable oh, yeah. too, but I took a jobs to be done style script. And, and I asked a lot of these questions. And one of the questions was how long did you try to diet or lose the weight before you hired us? And the most common answer was three to four years. So three to four years of spinning their wheels, three to four years of trying all of these things. And when you look at that and, and, the cool thing about that is now I can get on that phone call and be like, Hey, I surveyed a hundred people that work with us. And the most common answer is three to four years, right? Mm-hmm. There was a few people that said one to two. And there's some people that said over that, but every single person, literally every single person besides like maybe one or two said that they didn't try anything. Like they just loved our blogs. Like, Oh, maybe like I'll try coaching, which is very rare. <laughs> very right? rare right? I've had but, that too. And it's just like, Oh wow, this is different. Like, <laughs> yeah, Nope, let's do it. But, but like the majority of people, they, they try really hard for a long time. And, and it's that same thing, like you said, like, let's just do this the right way so you can stop trying for three to four more years. And that's a, that's a really eye-opening thing for us coaches and for them. But um, shit, I had a question the other day that was, uh, she said, why, I don't know if it was on Instagram or podcast, but she said, why is it that when you hire a coach, sometimes they increase your calories when you want to lose weight? And this kind of applies that, right? Like a lot of these people try these crash diets and they don't lose weight. And it's like, why? It's like, well, you're doing really well Monday through Friday. And then you, you, go on a binge for the weekend and then you get back on the diet and it's this cycle. So when you say, 
I've been dieting for two years. It's like, you've been dieting Monday through Friday for two years, right? Yeah. Trying every different fad. Sometimes you get through the weekend, but most of the time you don't. So we increase calories and they lose weight. Why is that? Is it because calories in versus calories out? doesn't matter. No, it's because when we do that, we increase calories. So you're not in a big diet or deficit. And now we can go, Hey, let's focus on sleep. Let's get consistent. Let's yep. actually show you how to you know, measure your food properly and track on the weekends and fit alcohol in those things you do. And when you build those habits, when you're not in a stressful state of dieting, they become very consistent and you become more adherent to the plan. And now we're losing weight because we're actually on point and we're healthy. Right. And then we get to a point where it's like, okay, now we can step into a deficit. You've earned the right to do so. Yep. And again, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. When I tell somebody that, hey, we're not going to diet for the first like month, maybe more at least of, of this fat loss coaching plan that you're, you're paying for. And, and that's a shocker to some people. And it's yeah. like, this is, this is how you do it right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, that, and that's the thing is I, I do the exact same thing. Like me, me and my team, we literally do the exact same thing. Um, and I've even had, I'll even have cases where like, like a lot of times, in, in, at least with the community that we serve, most people who say, um, hey, I, I eat like a thousand calories a day and don't lose weight. It's that thousand month Monday through Friday, then bends their face off off on the weekend. Well, I'll still have a, occasional clients who will come in. And so one of the things that we do, uh, I don't know if you guys do this or what well, I, I know a lot of other coaches will just throw the, someone's metrics into like an algorithm or a formula to give them their whatever and adjust from there. Well, the way we do it is before my, me and my team ever give any nutrition protocols, I want to see a minimum of seven days of the day in the life of you. Right. I want because I want to know, like, like there's a big difference based on like what you do as a coach, whether someone's eating a thousand a day or 7,000 a day. Right. So before we do anything, I go, I just want to see a day in the life of you just track it. And they're like, okay. And some even people get really weird about that. And they're like, ah, can't you just give me my number? And I go, no, I said, when you punch, like if you're going on a trip, Google maps tells you where to go from where you're at, not from where you kind of might should be. Right. So yeah. that's an, so they go, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. Or I, or I, or I give the example, I say, if someone's really weird about that, I'll be like, imagine if you're my financial advisor and I'm like, all right, tell me how to spend my money, but I don't let you look at my bank account. It's like, I, there's these missing pieces, but I'll even see people, I'll have, I'll have some people who like legitimately are eating a thousand calories a day, every single day, including the weekends. And of course that's not cool. So right out the gate, we add calories back and they're like, Oh my gosh, Jared, I can't, if I'm not losing weight at a thousand a day, how can I eat whatever, 12, 13, 15, 1800 or whatever we're working with. And I, I ask him, I'm like, well, how's this, how's, how's a thousand a day working for you? You're not, not only are you not losing weight, but you feel like shit. So like, and they don't understand the back end of it, like physiologically. So like we teach that, but then they add calories back and they somehow lose weight and they're eating more than ever. And they're like, what kind of sorcery is going on? <laughs> and, yeah. but I, by explain it this way, another one of the analogies I use is cause so in, in our way of coaching, we have what I call the coaching core values where, um, everything we do comes from these eight core values, uh, that are our true North, right? It solves every problem we'll ever run into. But one of which is we make every decision from the end, right? So like when people go, well, I just, I'm afraid I should be trying to lose weight faster. I don't want to add calories back or whatever. Um, I always word it like, imagine if, if like a, the guy that built your house right now, he built, he made every decision he made hundred years into the future. He goes, wait, if I frame the house this way, will it be here in hundred years? If the answer is no, he didn't do it. Or you hope to God he didn't do it. But then if, it's like, if I put the roof on this way, will it still be here? Okay, bet. If I put the windows in this way, will they, will they still be here? Okay, bet. And then like, they keep doing that for every decision, but that's the kind of side of our brain we need to approach weight loss with or building muscle with or whatever the goal is, you know? 
Yeah. It, it's that reverse engineer process. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, there's, I heard this question from somebody else. So I'm stealing this, but a long time ago, I heard this, uh, if you look at a diet and you can't honestly say that you can follow it six months from now, something's wrong. You know, mm-hmm. something's not, something's not right. You need to be able to know for a fact with confidence that you can do this sustainably over time. And we do the same thing with the weekends. And, and it's funny because I use the same exact GPS analogy. And it's like, <laughs> like I always stress like, Hey, like I want to see your actual diet. If you eat a Snickers bar every single night for this week, keep doing it. I might right. have other recommendations in the future, but you know, do exactly what I want to see what you do. It's always nice when somebody, you know, we talk a lot about this on the podcast. I'm so I'm mm-hmm. sure you get this too, cause you're open about it, but we get people that have been tracking because they know that we require that. So yep. when they come on board, it's nice because I don't have to say, Hey, like don't change anything. And sometimes yeah. <laughs> people will casually drink less beer when they know all of a sudden Cody's looking at it. Right. So I yeah. want them to do what they actually do. Cause adjusting from an inconsistent diet is an inconsistent adjustment. It's Mm -hmm. not going to work well. Right. And we want to use the minimal effective dose. So if you are eating a Snickers bar every single night, man, this is going to be really easy because we can make a small change and get a lot of results. But if you lie to me on the front end, that's going to be a problem and you're going to be setting yourself up for failure. Um, But I love that, that, that planning from the end point, man, I'm, I'm big on reverse engineering from a goal setting perspective, um, in my personal life and my personal business, but it's, I haven't been able to, uh, I haven't articulated it that way for the diet. So I really like the way you put that. That's dope. Thank you. Well, and, and the other thing that what's, what's funny is this is the thing that I think is so ironic is most people have the thought process in the right part of their brain working with every other area of their life outside of fitness and weight loss. Then people are act a fool inside fitness and weight loss. It's like people go, I'm an all or nothing person. Then I ask why they haven't disowned their kids yet. And they go, uh, <laughs> right. It's like, uh, it's the same thing. But one of the, one of the things that I, that I bring up is, uh, I usually use people's careers as an example, right? Cause if somebody like for most people, they can afford private coaching. They're probably making more than minimum wage, right? They have a job that they're they're, they're that they chose that they're comfortable in. They probably have credentials and things like that. So one of the questions I like to ask is like, I was speaking with a lady yesterday, um, who was, again, she had a big history of trendy dieting and extremism and all this stuff. And she's wanting to just cut corners like the normal, most people do. And I go, I said, remind me what you do for a living. She goes, I'm an attorney. And I go, great. I said, why did you pick that career? She's like, what do you mean? And I go, I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing you picked the career of an attorney because um, you could see yourself doing it till you retire. So long game perspective. I'm guessing it pays more than like Walmart. Not that there's anything wrong working at Walmart, but if you, but you're like, what can I do that I could do forever until I retire that pays well, that I can like afford my life, you know, and doing things and not just barely making it that I, that isn't crazy hard on my body and did it all this stuff. And she goes, well, yeah, that's pretty right. And I said, why didn't you go like literally get a, a really low paying manual labor job? Again, not that there's anything wrong with that if someone does that, but I'm, I asked her, I said, why didn't you get a really low paying manual labor job? And she goes, and she's like, well, cause like it doesn't pay well and it's really hard. And I go, exactly. We need to operate on the same side of your brain that you made career decisions with weight loss. What can you do for the rest of your life that you can actually afford your lifestyle? What can you do from like for till retirement. So what can you do for the next 40 years? Not that you're going to be dieting for 40 years, but let's say you had to, could you do what the style of things that we're doing? And usually right around that time they go, Oh yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Cause most people are doing this shit right. Just outside of weight loss. Yeah, dude. It's, it's the same thing with like, a, a we talk a lot about a periodization aspect of this, but like guys, people like, Hey, can you imagine if you worked Sunday to Sunday, like you just didn't have weekends? Just imagine that. 
They're like, yeah, it would suck. I'd be burnt out. It's like, so you want to diet month after month after month after month and yeah. not take a break? Like, <laughs> think about that. You know what I mean? Like there's, you know, you take a vacation. Okay. You should probably have a maintenance phase. You know, it's the same thing with training. Like I, I relate those all the time. They don't want to take a diet break, but they accept that they need to take a deload. It's like the mm-hmm. same fucking thing. Like, yeah. we, you know, your body has like accelerate and decelerate. We need to use both in, in most likely in equal fashion. I think people sure. get really shocked when I say that too, where it's like, okay, well, how long should I uh, reverse diet for? How long should my maintenance phase be after a diet? I'm like, well, it depends on a lot of things. I always say it depends on uh, intensity, duration, um, and uh, obviously your, your consistency and adherence to it, the stress of it. But if you're going super aggressive or for a super long time or super frequent, right, intensity, duration, frequency, then that's you know a longer period of maintenance, more maintenance, sure. so on and so forth. But a general rule of thumb is like at least as long as you were dieting for and they're like shocked. They're like, wait, I can't just like take a month and go back to it. And it's like, your body can only handle so much. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you need to be able to kind of use those both throttles, but it, it also spins back to the same exact conversation of slow down, think sustainability, think long-term and be fucking patient. Right. And consistent. Yeah. Like those are the biggest things. And I think they're definitely the hardest things. And I understand that because I've always been a very impatient person and I think mm-hmm. it worked it works to my advantage in a sense that like I push for growth constantly because I have to be moving and going, but there's a lot of areas in my life that I've just learned from mentors in business in life and in, in marriage, in uh, my fitness. I've hired so many different coaches over the years. You just learn that like, there is no fast route around this. Like yeah. if you really want to, like, I think about like, okay, I, I'm doing a cut right now, but it's not about like, finishing it and they'd be like, okay, I did it. Like now, now what? No, it's like, yeah, I'm going to get to this point and I want to stay there for a, a while. Yeah, like, I want to stay that lean for a long time. I spent a long time trying to put on as much size as I can. I went through like a full bulking phase for a year in 2019 oh, wow. into 20. Um, it was really productive. Like obviously I had to, you know, get a little fluffy and, and, you know, be comfortable with that. And that's fine. And it's probably necessary if you really want to mm. put on as much muscle as you can. But to me, when I was like, all right, time to flip the switch, we're going to go on a cut. I separated it and people are going to be shocked at this. I separated it into two phases. So I went through a four month, sl- very slow diet, like casual, slow diet, losing very slowly. And then I took two to three months off. I think it was almost three full months at maintenance, wow. just not doing anything. And then I just started back up again and I'm going to go until I reach my end point. But the reason for that is because I, pr- I did this like really s- aggressive bulk because I'm, you know, getting close to 30. Like I'm, I don't have aspirations to get that much bigger. Like I'm natural. Like there's just, there's sure. only so much I can do. So I was like, let me give it one last hurrah and then I'm going to get lean and then I'm just going to try to stay this lean and healthy as long mm-hmm. as I can. Well, if I want to do that and I want to like be lean year round, I'm going to have to take a long time. And that's like a two and a half year yeah. journey between bulking and the, the maintenance phase sure. and stuff. But that's thinking like you actually, it's exactly what you said. I thought of the end game and then yeah. I reverse engineered the process. What is it actually going to take to manage stress and allow my body to actually do that? It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a well, ton. It, it, I love, I love the way that your brain operates. And, and the thing is, what's crazy is I think most people who are in such a, a hurry, cause that's everybody. And as I always say like fat loss doesn't have prime, right? Well, like it's, it's one of those things where, um, people don't compare the full spectrum, right? Like, like I think when I was on your podcast and if those listening haven't checked it out, that they should definitely do that. Um, and what, what was it we were talking about? I, I said, uh, it was one of the questions you asked me. And I said that like my biggest thing with comparison is that you at least have to be consistent and compare the whole story, right? Like you have to, if you're going to compare the result, you have to compare the ramifications. 
I think so many people treat every level of wishing, hoping, praying in comparison like a buffet. They just pick and choose the pieces they want because people are like, Jared, I just feel like I should be able to lose weight. And like, I, like I had, I had someone recently, um, they, they mentioned how, like, uh, how, how it's been like a week and they're like, I'm disappointed in my progress this week. And I'm like, you mean it's been 168 hours and you're upset that you're not shredded. Like, really like you know and it, it, it was it was and they're like oh wow yeah that is crazy i'm even thinking that but because i and then i bring this to, to the forefront where like if you could somehow see crazy progress in a, in like a week you would lose it in like two hours right from like a full context view it's not like you lose weight in a week like see crazy progress get, get abs in a week and then they stay there it's if you could get abs in a week literally in two hours you could lose them so like we have to look at it both spectrums, not just like what's the fastest way. Cause if you could get the fastest way, you would lose it overnight, you know? Yeah. If you, if you look at that from like a physiological perspective too, going back to the reverse diet client, we were talking about where we, you know, they actually get better results when we bring them up because they were chronically under eating. Like people will say, well, what's working with calories and well, your metabolism's increasing. Okay. Well, what's the metabolism? Well, the metabolism is partly how much energy you use. It's partially how much you walk. It's partially how much you sleep. It's partially how your nails and skin and hair grows. It's partially the tissues and ligaments and organs and all these things in your body functioning your hormones. So there's a lot under the hood that is running. (laughs) And if, if you diet really hard, like all those things just slowly slow yeah, down, right? Drive mental cycle, all these things. So I always tell people like when we reverse you, all that's really happening is you don't realize it, but you're blinking more, you're talking more, you're moving more, you're yep. fidgeting more, you're, you're stepping more. You're Literally sleeping. the exact examples I give. <laughs> Everything, you know what I mean? Everything increases. So it's, it's, it's literally like investing back into your sure. body to get that result. But, but going to the longevity side of things, if you go extremely fast, all those things decline faster, right? So you yeah. lose more muscle tissue, you lose, you get lethargic quicker, your metabolic mm-hmm. rate slows down faster. Um, I actually asked this question to, we have a, a chief science officer on our team who's a researcher in the field. And so I'll just ask him nerdy questions all the time so I can get like exact answers. Like how long does it take the body to start metabolically adapting once you start diet? Like I want a number, like give me a number. And he was <laughs> like, <laughs> he was like, they, uh, studies show that after three to four weeks of being in, in a deficit, that's actually like a notable deficit. Your, your metabolism does start to decrease. Nobody freak out. doesn't mean you're going to be like have right. metabolic <laughs> damage in three weeks. Right. And we know it's not damage. It's just adaptation, but yeah. th- it, it happens quick. And the more aggressive you are, the faster it happens and the more aggressive it happens mm-hmm. to you. So try going the slower route. I mean, study after study after study shows this, there's less of it and there's less muscle degradation. There's less um, lethargy. Like everything is just so much easier. So like take your time and do it the right way because that reversal process is 10 times easier when you go into it, the more sustainable you are out as well. You don't have those issues going on. Now, let me ask you this. How do you, how do you handle this when you're explaining this to like a client and they're like, okay, okay, okay. And you're like, okay, so we're going to come out of your deficit. We're going to go maintenance. We're going to add calories back, diet break, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And they're like, you can just feel the panic in their heart. <laughs> like you can like across the computer screen, you can like in the email, you can feel their blood pressure elevate. Cause they're like, but I'm going to gain all my weight back, but I'm scared to add calories back, even though I know it's, I shouldn't be. How do you normally handle that when some, from a practicality standpoint where you know, cause you, uh, you know, like people like you and me understand like the under the hood side of it, but the client's like, but I'm scared shitless. How do you handle that? You know, there's, there's, there's a few people that come to mind when this happens. And I talk to my coaches about this all the time. There's the one person that 
that truly does understand the science that you're teaching. They truly understand it. Yet you have that conversation every single week, right? Yep. And, and no matter <laughs> what, you're gonna have again. And my coach was like, "How do I like get them to stop having this conversation?" I was like, "Honestly, you might not. So accept it. Like part of your job sure. is to talk them off that ledge every single week. Get creative with how you do it. Make it a comp. <laughs> like see if you can get them to stop. But." Most weeks, you're probably going to have to mention something because it's going to be on the forefront of their mind. It's an insecurity. Insecurities don't just go away like that. Mm -hmm. So be okay as a coach repeating yourself. The other person just doesn't give a shit about the science. So for them, I like using uh, experience and stories, right? So this is why I think writing blogs about your clients is so helpful because we have we have case study blogs that we've written about clients showing pictures and in process. Like I'll literally lay out like week one, here's where we started week two, this adjustment, week three, like everything. It's a really um, good idea. It's it, dude. It's perfect. I have one that's a 15 month reverse diet and she looks amazing at the end of it. And she, there's no weight change. Right. But it's 15 months. You know, it's over yeah. a year people. Um, but I show every week and every month and it's, it's just crazy. So we use that example all the time and like, we'll, you know, do a screen share call and I can bring that up and I'm like, she went through the exact same thing. She was nervous mm. about this thing. She was doing the same exact thing that you're talking about right now. And I ha- and, and this process I'm, I'm explaining to you, it will work. And sometimes it's being open. You know, sometimes like, hey, you might gain weight. Here's the reality. There's, there's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's, there's three reasons you would gain weight. Number one, it's water. Because if you eat you know, so every one gram of carb holds, I want to say it's anywhere between three to five grams of, of water. Oh, yeah. So as you eat more carbs, you store more glycogen, then you store more water, which isn't not necessarily a bad thing. I know like sure. as you get leaner, if you, if you load carbs and drink water, like a bodybuilder, you actually look more ripped and you'll be five yeah. pounds heavier. Why is that? Well, it's because water is being stored in the muscle. You just look more pumped. So I explained that to him like, Hey, some of it's going to be water. Some of it's going to be food volume. You're eating a thousand calories. If we had 500 calories, guess what? There's 500 calories, more food in your gut processing that is going mm-hmm. to weigh down the scale a little bit as gross as that sounds. That's the thing, right? Um, if you increase calories, you also increase the likelihood of increasing sodium because if you mm-hmm. have more food, you have more food that could already be salted or more food on your plate to salt, right? And yep. that condiment that has sodium. So sodium brings in water. Guess what? You're going to store a little water from that. It's not body fat. Like, so three out of the four things that could be causing weight gain are not body fat. One of them is body fat. And that could happen most likely if you are too lean, right? Mm. And your body needs some fat. So if we do add yeah. fat, guess what? It's going to make you healthier. And we're going to be able to come back to the fat loss phase in a better state. And you're going to get mm-hmm. better results. Of it. And if we really think about it, like, okay, you have more food volume. So your digestion is going to improve. Probably not a bad thing, yeah. right? You're storing more water, which is also going to help digestion and help your hydration and help your recovery and your performance. So like, if we really tally up the differences and you have more food, meaning you have more energy, your needs probably going to go up. It's all these things that are going to lead to more fat loss, but you have to remove the attachment of the scale going into that process, which is what the other thing I was going to mention when I like really trying to teach clients about this stuff is to disassociate one, their identity with scale and two, the value the scale holds because measurements, performance in the gym, what you see in the mirror, how you feel, all those things mm-hmm. are much more valuable than what a scale actually says. And, uh, and it's, and it's crazy because you'll tell people too, like, Hey, like, what if I told you, we go through this process and your ideal physique, this, this 135 pound random number that you, you see (laughs) ideally, and you're explaining to me, like, and and you get to that goal. Um, and it actually takes us increasing calories to all stuff. Like, would you, would you be interested in be down with that? Yes. hundred percent. Okay. But the scale might not actually read 135. What if it says 138, but 
you are eating more food, you feel better, and yep. you do look like that. And there's this long pause. And you're like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> yeah. Now you're taking back, you know? And so, and this dude, this is on such a global level. It's crazy. I, I work with, uh, it's actually been a really, really cool part of something I've been able to do the last couple of years is work with uh, WWE athletes, which oh, I love that. They, you know, they need to perform at a high level, even though it's not, it's not like UFC or anything, but like, I mean, they're hitting each other and they're working and oh, yeah, like dude. practice and training and travel. Like it's pretty intense, but they're still 230 but I, pound ripped dudes. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's the part I love about it. It's like, okay, you got to perform and be healthy and, and avoid injuries, but you also have to look a certain way um, because you're on, you know, TV. Now uh, I, I write programming for Otis. I don't know if you know who Otis is, but he's just like a big fucking tank. So for him, <laughs> There's no aesthetic drive. Like it doesn't matter, which is great. Yeah. But the other ones, there's not. And there, there's uh, a couple females that I've had to really focus on this with. And one of them I had this conversation with because her weight went up two pounds since we started working together. And we had to do everything we're talking about right now. And she was like, I just need confirmation from you again that we are for sure doing the right thing. You know, we got some big TV appearances coming up, blah, blah, blah. So I literally shot a video and I brought up her starting picture and the picture now. And it's like, it was insane how much more definition, how much leaner she was, how much tighter, all of it. like everything yep. was better and we're eating way more food. And I was like, this is exactly why I said we have to remove the attachment scale because Absolutely. you are, you know, building muscle. You're not going to build a ton of muscle, especially as a female, but you are building some muscle and you're storing food and water mm -hmm. and sodium things like a normal human being does. Yeah. Right. So this is what happens, but it really took me literally pulling both of them up and having my face in the middle on camera going, see this and see these I changes like, to get them. So to me, it's like, as a coach, I think you got to do whatever you got to do. You got to repeat Absolutely. as many times as you can in order to create that understanding and yes, educate them, but don't bore them with science. Like sure. tell them what's reality, tell them what's going on mm -hmm. and explain it in a, in a like science for dummies type of way, because we can't expect <laughs> them to eat. Yeah, no, I totally coaches, get that. You know? Um, yeah. that's not their profession. Uh, but I think it takes a w doing it a lot repetitively. You gotta yeah. be okay with that. I remember when I was younger, I always struggled with normal learning stuff like math and think math, math and sciences were just like a foreign language to me. But I remembered so many times. And I think a lot of people are like, this was stuff they struggle with. Let's say I was working on the same problem and I just don't understand it. I remember like as like a 12 year old, really struggling, getting discouraged, all these same emotions that most clients struggling feel like. But it's because like we go back through it, go back through it, go back through it. And I was like getting tutoring or whatever, going back through it, going back through it. Then I don't know why, but the hundred second time it goes, oh, and it just clicked. Like, you know, that's how a lot of learning goes. I think the same thing happens with clients a lot or people who are like, I just don't understand why. I just don't understand why. And it may, may not, it may not hit home for the, like till the 10th time. And then it, they go, they go, oh, this makes so much sense. Why didn't I understand it till now? It's just sometimes repetition just takes longer. It's just like math you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, but. and that's, and dude, that's why I love the analogies that you're using. You know what I mean? I think that <laughs> it really does help a lot. Like I, I remember teaching people how to goblet squat at the gym and I just couldn't get them to just, you know, open up their hips, like create yep. tension and externally rotate and like get in that. And I remember like the one thing that clicked, I was like, all right, I want you to imagine your feet are like monkey feet. I want you to grip the floor, like literally grip the floor with your toes. Like you had fucking hands on your feet. And you're going <laughs> to twist it right? Just, and like, for whatever reason, they laughed and then their squat was fucking perfect. And it yeah. would be like, yo, monkey feet. And it was just, and they would get it. Sometimes it takes just saying weird shit off the walls to like click, you know? <laughs> My favorite analogy in the gym is like, uh, cause here's the thing. This is where like, you see a lot of people who can do something like a coach, but they can't teach it. 
right? Because mm. the art of teaching, getting some other human to do something they've never done before and to comprehend it, it's a, it's a skill set, right? Well, in doing the same thing like that, where they're like, oh, monkey, okay, that makes sense. And you, you, you put the picture in their head, they, then they, it made sense. My favorite is teaching RDLs. So if I have someone, it might, it might, it usually works best with, with, with women. Uh, cause I don't know too many guys who do this move, but I'll even say it to guys. I'm like, Hey, does your girl ever do this? And like, and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I know it feels weird, but do this. So what it is like on an RDL, we're like, cause you know, for those, if anyone isn't sure, um, that's listening, like RDLs, like let's say you're starting the standing position, dumbbells in front of you, hips break first, go back, that kind of thing. But like so many people who have never done an RDL just squat. They do like a weird squat or like a conventional deadlift. They just go ass down. And I'm like, no, 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 ass to the wall behind you. And they, they still don't quite get it. Because even ass to the wall behind you or tailbone back is a great cue. But I, but then sometimes, like I remember in my in-person coaching days, I, 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 they weren't getting it. They weren't getting it. And I go, okay, you know that sexy girl move you do where you like keep your legs straight and you just stick your ass back and shake? Do that, but without the shake perfect RDLs from that moment forward for like yep. every girl I've ever coached or like even guys, obviously I stand to the side and not behind them on that one. Uh, but even guys that are just struggling, they're like dropping or whatever their, their hips. And I'm like, you know, that sexy girl move your wife does when she just like bends over, like, you know what I'm talking about? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I haven't seen her do it, but you know what I'm talking about? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I go do that. And he goes, what? Oh, there's my hamstrings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny how these weird analogies like are just gold. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. I remember when I got hired as an intern, he, he, like, I was trying to impress him with what I knew. And he was like, dude, I don't give a shit what you know. I can teach you all that. <laughs> like, I need to know that you can talk to people and, and yeah. people feel yeah. comfortable around you and like stuff like that you have to be a certain type of person to be able to joke with people and them to feel comfortable yeah. and safe. And I think that's really, really important. I tell my coaches, cause when we look for a new coach, we usually look internally first. We look at like, sure. okay, what clients do we work with that are already coaches? I'll teach them all the, the, the nitty gritty science. I want to find people that are, like, I literally say this. I'm like, I want to find somebody that I'd hang out with, like that. I just would kick Absolutely, with. Absolutely dude. Cool. Yeah. And you have to be able to talk that way. Like a really, really funny. I've never, I mean, I don't know if this would work with women. It might. And I just never felt fully comfortable saying this to too many women, but I would say, Hey, I say this to guys and they would kind of get it. But like with a dead bug, you're, you're working pelvic floor training, right? So we're trying right. to make sure that we're, we're breathing deep and we're, we're training our inter abdominal core and everything. Um, but I couldn't get them to breathe properly. I couldn't get them to like get out of their chest and breathe up here and breathe lower. So I would always say, dude, like, dude, breathe through your balls. And they was just like, <laughs> I and love it was, that. I, I, would, I was like, dude, that was a perfect rep. Like, that's how you need to breathe <laughs> when you're doing that exercise. And then when I taught them how to do it that way, now we take them laying on the floor in a dead bug. We stand them up. And now when they're squatting and deadlifting, doing things, they understand proper breathing. And I'm like, that's <laughs> I love it. That but so much. <laughs> you know, if, some, if, if somebody wasn't comfortable with me and I just walked up, like, yo, breathe through your balls, they'd be like, dude, who is what? Like, yeah. you know, but I'm friendly. I'm personable. I'm, I'm, I'm asking them questions about their life. And like, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, it's and I think it takes that in a coach to be an effective coach. Sure, no, dude, I love that, and that's that's the best analogy I've ever heard. Well, so <laughs> what's funny is they do this a lot in jujitsu, right? Because jujitsu is like I always say, like 
Because most people are kind of like, like the people who do jujitsu aren't like the most politically correct. It's like, you know, half of them are like people who just like fuck around and have fun and stuff or like, um, like tell dirty jokes. So like analogies in jujitsu get really, get really interesting. One of my favorites is like, it's when uh, you're supposed to keep like someone's arm really tight on you and you like extend your hips, but everyone messes up and they're like, Hey, pee for distance. And it's like, Oh, that was like perfect. But those kind of analogies are absolutely amazing because they're funny. And anytime you can throw fun in it, it makes it better. But like you instant, when you can just instantly click and get it, you know, or like, uh, like in another, like in jujitsu, it's like, uh, they say jujitsu is the lazy art because you don't force things. And I say, yeah, jujitsu, it's less rapey. If you have to force it, then you're probably doing it wrong. Like, but it's like, it's just less rapey. So, um, <laughs> and, and people look at me like, what the fuck? And I'm like, and, but, but, but for some people go, oh, that makes sense. Cause if I have to force a move or force a technique, then I, I'm wrong. It's, if there's something wrong, you shouldn't have to force it, but it's just, kind of when you say it's less rapey or breathe through your balls or pee for distance or whatever. And sometimes it's a little inappropriate to some people, but it, man, if it clicks and it gets, cause my thing is this, like, I don't care what I have to say or how many times I say it, like if it can click with you, that's where true sustainability comes, right? Absolutely. Education is what's going to build compliance and longevity in what you're doing. Because if I'm not teaching you what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, then what am I doing as a coach? Really? I want yeah. you to be able to continue doing this over time. Um, and I, I really do the think that analogies of storytelling, I, I tell people, uh, I have, I don't know if you've ever used this, the, the hybrid versus the gas guzzler. or I use that analogy all the time because mm. people want to diet faster and add cardio and all those things. And I'm like, look, if we add all those things right away and we do too much, your body will adapt quicker. Yeah. And if you're doing the same cardio, guess what? The only next step is more cardio. So mm-hmm. you're becoming a hybrid. What does a hybrid yeah. do really well? Well, they save a lot of energy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Energy is stored fat. You want to be efficient at yeah. what you're doing, you're going to get better at not losing weight. If we can be inefficient by cycling calories, taking maintenance phases, maybe changing the way we do cardio and, and focusing more on strength training, right? Doing yeah. things like that, even things like jujitsu and using that as part of your training sessions, because every time you go, it's different, right? Yeah. From an energy systems perspective, it's going to be different, which mm-hmm. means that your body can never fully get used to it. So it's always trying to progress, which means it's always going to burn a lot of calories. But if I go walk on the treadmill at speed three for 30 minutes, I have one option, 40 mm-hmm. minutes, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. and like <laughs> we have to change things up. So I'll even sure. have people when they do, when I do implement cardio, it's like, all right, you're doing a five minute run, two minute break, five minute row, two minute break, five minutes all bike, two minute break. We're going to cycle those in three weeks. We're changing all those. Right? Yeah. Because I don't want your body to become a hybrid and they get it. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. now we're starting to work with things. One of the examples along those lines that I use, it's because um, I, lo- I, love, I love that analogy, is um, a lot of times I compare it to like, it sounds really intense and extreme, but in compare it to war. Like if you're in war and you're a soldier and, and you see the first row of guys and you just unload every piece of ammo and arsenal and your, your ammo, your whole arsenal on the first row. Well, good job, buddy. You fucking got them all but there's 300 more yeah. right after. And now you're out of ammo. You're out of your arsenal's completely depleted. You're completely dead. Like what, what do you do? That's why like my favorite thing is to take even like a minimalist approach is least amount of uh, amount of work possible to cause the, the end result. Because then if we need, need to bust down the cool toys, like calorie cycling and cardio or whatever stuff, but like, if we don't have to, why do we need to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I'd be interested to see if you agree with this. Um, cause I kind of got called out a little bit on this and it, it wasn't that I was wrong for saying thing inappropriate, but it was like, 
Oh, I should have reframed that because I, I often say like the minimal effective dose is probably best, mm-hmm. right? The minimal effective adjustment. And then I was saying the minimalist effort is like the word, like, no, like, why would you be only be putting in minimal effort? And they, they twisted what I was saying mm. and they were like, well, I thought you said the minimal effective dose was best. And I was like, yes. However, you should be putting in the maximum sustainable effort on everything you do in life. Yeah. Like why? Which may be minimal effort. It may be. It may you be if, if you're being smart about it. Absolutely. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that to me, that's where I think there's, there's, there's intelligent dieting and training all stuff. And you do implement the minimal effective dose. But like, I promise you like my effort on every rep, my effort on the way I plan, yeah. my effort on how I execute the day, everything is maximum. Like I'm trying to put in the sure. most effort I can in everything I do. So I lay my head down at night and I can say like, I did the most I could. You know, because mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than laying your head down and going like, I could have done I left better. Left right? on the table, yeah, yeah. Like I have a, I have a like a journal process. I do one in the morning, one mm-hmm. at night, and that's helped me with this a lot. Because at night, it's like, you know, what did you do well? What were like the highlights? What are you going to do better? Like, who could you have like helped more? Yeah. And when you answer those questions, sometimes like if I have to think really hard on like who could I have helped more, I'm like that's a win because I did everything sure. I could. You know. But when I can easily write a few things down or like what I could do better, I'm like, yeah, this, this, this. I'm like, fuck, like I could have put in more effort. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's, sure. I think that's a, a differentiator that's important for people to realize. I think it's such a balance and contextual thing too. Cause I think, cause <clears throat> I think when, uh, when whoever twisted your, 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 they, it sounds like they twisted your words and the context, right? What you're talking about, what you do is you're maxing out every day with the most of your capabilities on the impact you're making. So that's doing as much as you can. But when you say the minimum effective dose, you're talking to your average soccer mom who thinks she has to take 17 supplements, carb cycle, workout eight days a week, plus cardio and a CrossFit class. And you're saying, Hey, do as little as possible to, to lose the fat you want to lose. So I think whoever that that whoever's saying that is taking things totally twisted, um, because it's it's all it's all contextual, not just on the person you're talking to, but on or the situation, but also on the day to day. Something I've been saying a lot lately is balance changes on the day to day, right? Think about how you approach training with a bum shoulder. It's going to look a lot different than if you're thriving and feeling great, your shoulders healed and got eight hours of sleep. So balance is changing on the day to day. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think that's, it's all, it's all dynamic, you know, um, Brett, uh, Bartholomew, I had him on my podcast and he, he kind of had a different approach on that whole thing. And I respect what he was saying. And I think, I think like you just mentioned, I think there's a balance between, but he he was like, uh, what do you say? He was like, uh, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And he's like, that's the most bullshit statement I've ever heard. I don't do my laundry. Like I make love to my wife. And it was funny and I started cracking up and he went on a rant and I highly recommend listening to the guy. He's, he's a really, really intelligent guy. I don't know if you follow him, but he, he puts out a lot of good stuff and he has a really good book for coaches out there called conscious coaching. Um, but he went into this and, and I think there's a balance or even like a, like a gauge of, of what requires a certain amount of effort, you know, and how sure. much energy it takes from you. But it, it, you know, to some people like, uh, my good friend, Brad, like he, like part of his thing is he, he does make his bed every morning. Like that's actually something mm-hmm. he does. And he gets a lot out of that. I don't, I don't do that. Like, I don't give a shit about my bed being made, mm-hmm. but you know, like I think Andy Fusel picks up screws off the ground. Right. Yeah. Which I noticed myself doing the other day. Cause like, thanks to you, I've just been taking in a lot of his stuff, <laughs> but I, I literally like, I was walking, I saw some screws and I was like, and I like grab them way, but it, but it's like, I think there's, I think there's value in how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I also think there's context specific. So I think you're right. I I agree. I think, well, along those same lines, cause I've, I've seen it both sides. I think I agree standard scale, right? Like if, 
it's it's the same reason why like if you let's say you found out a business is fucking over some customers you're probably going to be like would they fuck over me like you know like it's that same kind of thing where like because you know if they'd fuck over them they'd fuck over you or what have you um or like let's say if um, if you, it's why we see so many people's lives improve when they get their fitness in check because they keep, they show up for themselves in fat loss. So they're going to show up for themselves at work even better in sales or whatever. So I think there's a level of standard scale and there's a level of how you do small things is how you do big things. I, but I totally agree also where it's like, um, where that's not how it works all the time. Where like my, me being late, me, me, me making my, how I do my laundry is not how, you know. I show up in my marriage. I think there's a level of difference with that to make, to say that all of them are equal. I mean, I think it's, again, it's very contextual. So it's like balance, right? Like balance in mm-hmm. life. I talked about this the other day. I think it's, it's from the way most people look at it, it's bullshit because if you're going to build anything, it, you're never going to spend an equal amount of time in every area of your life. Like right. it's, it's physically impossible. I spend way more time on my business than I do with my daughter. That mm-hmm. sounds, that makes me sound unbalanced and like a horrible father. But the truth is, is that's the sacrifice I had to make to make sure that my wife could stay at home with her and raise her yeah. like we wanted. And so I'm willing to do that. And as long as I'm present when I'm home, this mm-hmm. is also why I don't like do a lot on the weekends because I'm, I'm just with my girl. Like that's, yeah. that's my, that's my thing. So I think it's, it's, again, it is context and, and similar to what you said, I heard this recently of like how somebody talks to you about them is how they talk about you to them. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's the same thing of like, if you hear somebody talking shit, about somebody else to you. It's like, man, yeah. what do you say when I'm not around? And, and all these things we're talking about, especially fitness, it's just, it's character traits. It's building mm-hmm. character traits. So, so I like the standard scale, but I think when you develop these habits and when, yeah, it doesn't take a lot of effort to make your bed, but maybe if you do that or you pick up screws or, or whatever it is, you're doing laundry better, anything, you, you actually fold it properly instead of just fucking whipping yeah. it around <laughs> two seconds longer. Those things build character traits that I sure. do think carry over into every area of life. And I think that's the important thing. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. No, absolutely. Man, this has been a good talk. This has been really good. And I didn't use my notes at all. Like, like I think we talked about like on when I was on your podcast where like we have like in case like there's some lulls, we have like a handful of bullets, but like I didn't literally get into anything of my backup stuff that we were going to get into. So, which I think makes for the best content there is. It's the most present. It's the most authentic. It's the most, what most people probably needed to hear too. So yeah. But, I agree, uh, man. And it's the only way that we can be like ping pong. I mean, we talked about a lot of different yeah, dude. <laughs> but it so, I, love, I love it. So um, if anyone's listened to this and they're like, yo, I want to learn more about, about Cody or the Taylor coaching method or any of your stuff, where can people find you? Yeah. So uh, taylorcoachingmethod.com is where we have all of our, uh, we have tons of free content. But that's where we put everything. Um, I'm most active on Instagram at Cody McBroom. Um, our podcast is called the tailored life podcast, uh, which we recently had, um, Jared on. So definitely check that out. We have a lot of really cool guests, uh, like each other. So, um, yeah, those are my two frequent, most, most frequent places. I love that. Yeah. De- guys, definitely, de- definitely check out Cody. Um, absolutely amazing content. Like I was, to be honest, man, like before, like I got to know you, like I didn't, I don't think I was following you and I looked at your stuff and I'm like, you should, like my first thought was, holy shit, this is really good content. <laughs> like, uh, like you, I'm like, you should have such a bigger following with how much great stuff you put out. So Instagram's a bitch sometimes, but like you put out <laughs> amazing content. So, you, um, man. which is why I wanted you on here because like I mentioned in the beginning is, I only have people on here that I resonate with. Like I, 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 I get requests of like, Hey, if I have you on mine, will you, can I come on yours? And I'm like, Nope, we're not. No. And I, and I usually either like don't respond or just like, I just politely decline. So, um, yeah. Dude, yeah. And, and 
I do the same thing. And I just want to, like, I want to say this on the podcast. I think this is funny. I did that to Jared. I a hundred percent did that Jared. And, and I rarely ever do that, but like I, if you guys listen to my podcast, you hear me say this, but like, I, I got requests from like three or four different people to have you on. The first two were just people <laughs> that I didn't really know well, but I was yeah. like, okay, I'll look into them. Honestly, I didn't. Um, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a, a third person that I actually really trust. And I was like, okay, like maybe I should take it seriously. And then, and then my, my assistant, the, the one that reached out to you was like, yo, have you heard of Jerry? You got to have him on. You guys, I was like, all right. And she knows me so well, dude, that I was sure. like, okay, like, let me, let me look at this guy. And I started looking at your stuff and I knew that we would hit it off and I knew we'd have a yeah. good podcast. And that was really the reason why I was like, dude, we should have each other on each other's podcast. And you didn't yeah. say anything back, but I didn't take yeah. offense to it. Cause I was like, probably hasn't filtered me yet. And I always yeah. filter before I ever say yes to mm -hmm. that. So, but here I am. So no, and, and it's because like, like, even if you didn't say anything, I was, I would have had after that conversation, I, and for those listening, you can tell like, like it was just this kind of conversation. We're like, dude, I would like totally like, like if we were like living in the same city, we would totally go get cigars and beer just to like hang out. Like I would totally, and that's the thing is just like you said, that's how you hire. If I like, I would, you would hang out with them. That's how like, when it comes to like the people I would have on the podcast or like friends that I associate with is it's, it's that exact same thing. So yeah. Yeah. No, dude, I couldn't agree more. Well, I appreciate it, man, a lot. It's It's been fun. I love it, man. Awesome. Well, I will put all that in the show notes and I appreciate you being on and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you so much once again for tuning into today's episode. I know this was a longer episode. Gen generally, when I do interview people, I make these a little bit longer. Um, I really appreciate you sitting and hanging out for, with us for, for the last hour or so. It means a ton. Be sure and check out the show notes where you, this way you can connect with Cody. You can see what all he's got going on. I've got some cool stuff down there like my courses um, and coaching and things like that. But uh, but yeah, be sure to check everything out there and connect with Cody. Shoot him a message and be like, hey, what's up? I heard you on Jared's podcast. Um, but otherwise, I will talk to you guys next time.